Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens would mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Welcome to Yeah Na Pesaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And we're joined today by Megan Kelly, a researcher who specializes in the manosphere, incels, and the red pill. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me. Just to begin with, could you tell us a little bit about how you started researching this and why? Yeah, for sure. So my current work focuses on radicalization narratives among misogynist incels and men going their own way or MGTOWs. And for how I got into this work, it's kind of a a strange little journey, but I was really always interested in understanding why people join extremist movements and specifically what role gender plays and why people join these movements. I was already quite familiar with the Banisphere groups, just as a side fascination. And then in 2018, during my master's, I did an internship at START, which is based at the University of Maryland. That's the National Consortium for the Study of Terrorism and Responses to Terrorism. The project that I worked on there was focused on bias crime, and there I was able to collect some data for a project specifically charted bias crimes that may have been male supremacist motivated, and that led me to deciding to write my MA thesis on incels, and specifically a digital ethnography of two online incel forums. And now my work has expanded to include MGTOWs and specifically look at why people join these groups and analyzing black pill and red pill narratives. So we've uh, talked about the red pill on the show before, but what's the black pill? So the black pill is a term that's mainly used by incels, though it seems to be spreading outside of just that group. More broadly, the black pill is a nihilistic state that one falls into after accepting the truth of the red pill, whatever that truth might be, because a variety of groups use the term red pill outside of male supremacy. So for incels and for a lot of other male supremacists, that red pill truth is that men have little control in choosing sexual partners, that women are the deciders when it comes to any kind of sexual relationships. And then incels specifically believe that physical attractiveness is the most important, if not the only factor for women in choosing a sexual partner. And they believe that women, no matter how the women themselves look, will pursue men that are the most attractive. And they call this phenomenon female hypergamy, that women always go for the highest value male is how they would put it. And so these high value men are sometimes referred to as chads. And incels believe that they have little to no chance with women and especially beautiful women because they are all pursuing chad. And then the black pill for incels is that because looks are genetically determined and because they believe that women only choose these partners based on looks, that incels will likely never have sex with women and especially not the type of women that they hope to have a sexual relationship with. Because they think that this is all genetically predetermined, they think that unless 
unless they get extreme plastic surgery or completely alter themselves, that they will remain in cells. And many even think that plastic surgery or working out or steroid usage is pointless, which lets them decide basically to either accept it, they call it lay down and rot, or to try to commit suicide. One of the first anti-feminist blogs that used the term black pill explained the black pill as a systemic problem versus the red pill, which recognizes this phenomena as an individual problem and offers individual solutions to systemic problems. And the tagline of this blog for a long time said, there are no individual solutions to systemic problems and women are a systemic problem, basically saying that there is nothing that incels or people who believe the black belt can personally do to change their situation. And any kind of self-improvement is pointless. I imagine your research was a whole barrel of fun. What sorts of forums did you explore? And is inceldom, is that a, isn't it an online phenomenon? Does it have a precedence pre-internet? I'm not so sure about pre-internet. Incels identify, misogynist incels in particular, identify pre-internet phenomena. They identify, like, People like Beethoven, they say, was insult. Although also MGTOW claim that he was a man going his own way. So there is kind of some conflict in that regard. But the earliest insult forum was actually created in the 1990s by a woman uh, based in Canada. And it was for people of all genders and all sexual orientations. But then over time, it kind of became mainly male centric. But there is, incels do tend to historicize themselves. But the two forums that I looked at, one is still online. It's the largest incel forum, or it claims to be the largest incel forum, which is incels.co. It was created in 2017 after our incels, which was the big incel Reddit, was kicked off of Reddit for breaking community standards. And so they moved to a private forum. And then the other forum that I looked at was truecells. Dot, I believe it was .org. It's no longer online. It, it went offline in 2018 and it was only live for five months. So there's kind of also these side forums that exist parallel to the big forum because there's a lot of infighting. And so people leave and create their own forums, but sometimes just don't seem to have the same amount of community or support, especially if they're deplatformed to, to start again. I thought it was interesting reading one of the essays you wrote that there's this massive hierarchy within the incel community uh, where everyone's trying, I guess, to be the most ugly and horrible to justify their hatred. Could you explain that hierarchy to us? Yeah, incels are in constant competition with each other to prove that they are the truest incel or true cell. And actually, this is why I looked at two incel sites during my master's thesis, because I wanted to see, and I ended up finding that there was such a hierarchy. So this the second site that's no longer online was created specifically because they felt that the content on incels.co was not kind of pure enough, was not being produced by actual incels. And so they considered themselves even truer incels and created their own space. But typically, incels compare themselves on a variety of measures. Some incels say that you can only be incel if you are physically ugly or physically deformed, whereas others identify as mental cells or autist cells, which is their word for neurodivergent incels. And often, these kinds of categories that they put themselves in are the name that they identify with. So mental cells being someone who has maybe some... Uh, mental health issues or has social issues with social skills. And so they believe that this is the reason that they're incel. And then within that, incels always, by trying to compete to be the truest incel, they always 
push away other incels as being less true or question the identity of other members. And so they accuse other members of being fake cells or voluntary celibates or non-cells. And this is one way to prove themselves as truer and also sometimes expressing violence or showing how much they believe the black pill is another way they express themselves as the truest of all the incels. And then, of course, incels also position themselves against outside groups. Besides chads, they also position themselves against normies and cucks, the shortened word for cuckold, and basically say that even though they as incels consider themselves subhuman, they still believe that they are superior to normies as they believe the truth of the black pill, and they believe they're superior to cucks because have to have had to deal with women and to kind of have been screwed over by women. And so at least as themselves, they don't have to deal with this and having to interact with women in this way. And then also the other factor that is sometimes mentioned, but it definitely requires, it should have some more exploration. I have some coworkers who are working on this topic is incels and race. So incels claim to be pretty diverse, although it is anonymous. So it's, it's hard to tell for sure, but Members of these forums who, for example, South Asian incels identify as curry cells or East Asian incels identify as rice cells. And they believe that their race is another factor in their inceldom and makes them even more incel than white members or black incels because they are even less sexualized or less desired, or they believe they are less desired by women, and especially the kind of women that they seek out. The, the name of that paper we mentioned was called Don't Just Rope, Be a Hero, uh, Hero with capital E and R. Could you explain that title? Don't Just Rope, Be a Hero is a quote that I saw while doing my observations on insoles.co and truecells.org. And rope in this case means commit suicide. So hang yourself. And hero with the capital E-R and hero stands for Elliot Roger, who was a man who killed six people in California in 2014. And before his attack, he wrote a lengthy manifesto and left several YouTube videos talking about his hatred of women and blaming them for his, quote, lonely celibate life. And he's become a hero to incels, sometimes called a saint, and is memorialized on the forum as as an aspirational figure. So oftentimes, not just with Elliot Roger, but most often with him, Incels encourage violence by leaving the initials of mass killers, such as Roger, so Elliot Roger, ER, and then call them heroes or saints. Uh, Serial killers, other mass killers, and mass shooters are also memorialized in a similar way. So the full title, Don't Just Rope, Be a Hero, really means don't just kill yourself, commit mass murder before killing yourself. So kind of go out with a a bang. Roger is one of uh, a number of uh, individuals or men who've committed these kinds of atrocities. My understanding is that the, the intel movement is concentrated in North America. Presumably there's a presence in Australia. Two questions. Do you think that the violent attacks that have been carried out in North America will be reproduced elsewhere? And are you aware of any research that's being done on the intel world in Australia? There have been attacks in the UK that have been stopped before they were carried out that seemed to have some connection to insult networks or ideology. I believe there was one that was stopped last February. And there was recently a trial in Scotland where there was some suspicion that there was the individual was motivated by insult ideology. But I just read that that 
that was not found to be the case, that he was not. But there are definitely connections to attacks or potential attacks outside of North America. For, as for Australia, I don't know any of any Australian-specific NCEL forums, but these spaces are definitely transnational. You have people from all over the world who participate in these forums, although they are English forums, and they are also, it seems that the majority of people are based in Europe and North America. As for people who are doing research on incels in Australia, there was a really interesting paper that was published in 2020 out of the University of Western Australia called Confronting Incel, Exploring Possible Policy Responses to Misogynistic Violence, Violent Extremism. And it was by Tomkinson, Atwell, and Harper. And I thought this piece was really interesting because they also talk quite a lot about avoiding reinforcing or affirming feelings of victimhood among incels as they can encourage those who feel persecuted to feel justified in their violence. And I think this is really interesting and important to point out as a lot of the media coverage around not just incel, but misogynistic attacks and also attacks perpetrated by kind of lone gunmen often position these perpetrators as kind of victims in themselves that, oh, they experienced bullying. Oh, they had some domestic strife at home. And how, so this paper was interested in in that it explored how that could be potentially problematic, especially among misogynist communities. As for other research coming out of Australia on incels, I don't know about incels specifically, but at the Institute of Research on Male Supremacism, where I'm a fellow, and I believe um, you interviewed my friend Greta earlier, and she's also a fellow there. We have a couple of researchers who are Australian-based, although they don't focus on incels. Josh Roos is one of them. He works on the intersection of masculinity and violent extremism at Deakin University. And Molly Dragowitz is a criminologist who's focused on violence and gender at Griffith University. And she does a lot of work with like interpersonal and domestic violence, as well as has done a lot of past research on father's movements and misogyny. And they both put out really interesting work. So it's not insult specific in that case, but kind of the broader misogynist networks. It may seem like a strange question, but do incels ever think about turning their guns on Chad's instead of Stacey's? And why and why not? I would say that there I have seen kind of provocations for violence against Chad's, not nearly as much as Stacy's, because I mean, out of kind of anger and jealousy, but it's also a bit of a mixed bag reaction to Chad because some incels are still aiming to try to kind of embody that kind of hegemonic masculine ideal that they see Chad as exhibiting. So some also say, oh, but you know, it's not his fault that he gets all these women. And so a lot of the anger is still mostly targeted towards women, but there is some some posts that express a lot of anger and calls for potential violence against Chad. And I think it's also worth mentioning that Elliot Roger and Alex Manassian, who perpetrated the 2018 Toronto van attack, both killed men in their attacks. And Elliot Roger actually killed three of his roommates who were all men before going out and trying to carry out the rest of his attack. He planned to attack a sorority house, but couldn't get in. And so he started shooting people on the street. But before doing this, he killed his roommates, not necessarily because he thought they were chads. He also had personal problems with his roommates, it seems like, but that men are also at risk for incel violence. It is not something that is only focused or targeted towards women. You're listening to 3CR 8.55am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We're currently talking to Megan Kelly about the red pill, the black pill, and incels. 
Speaking of uh, hegemonic masculinity, are you able to comment on the work of someone like Raywin Connell and their framework for understanding masculinities and how it applies to incels? Yeah, for sure. I'm actually working on a paper right now with Greta and one of our other co-writers from IRMS on hegemonic masculinity and trying to use that to understand typology, uh, to create a typology of the manosphere. So trying to understand where these different groups come in and where they fall into the kind of the hegemonic masculinity framework. I'd say for incels in particular, they exhibit a kind of hybrid masculinity. So this is something that was mentioned by Connell and Messerschmitt in their reconceptualizing of hegemonic masculinity in 2005 and has been built upon since. But basically, hybrid masculinity being that they exhibit traits of hegemonic masculinity, but also position themselves as non-hegemonic. And so incels do this because they position themselves as victims. And so this is not necessarily a hegemonic, a stereotypical hegemonic trait, but at the same time, they position themselves as superior, not only to women, but to other people who do not believe in the black pill, and they believe this knowledge makes them superior. And even in their framing of their own victimhood, I would say that they have some hegemonic traits because they express an entitlement and an expectation that they should be given or that this should be easy, that they have access to women. They're frustrated because they do not have things that they believe as men they should have. They even express that in some really extreme cases that the government should be involved in kind of handing out girlfriends to men who do not have girlfriends. And this in itself, this kind of feeling that they should have this, that men should be able to have access to women, goes back into this kind of dominance and power expectation of men's dominance and power over women, which is really at the core of Connell's conceptualization of hegemonic masculinity, of dominance of of hegemonic masculinity over both femininity and of non-hegemonic masculinities. So incels are definitely a part of it. And I would argue that they're hybrid with some very hegemonic type tendencies, but they're definitely not non-hegemonic or they're not, although they identify as like beta men, they still have a lot of aims and ideals that fit very well towards dominance and towards wanting to have dominance over women and control over women. Throughout the pandemic, we've seen various forms of extremism flourish, particularly as people have had a lot of free time on the internet. Has the manosphere and inceldom experienced a similar acceleration? So I haven't been following numbers closely, but I recently read a, st- was a, a report, I guess more than a study, on incels.co activity, and they found that user activity peaked in April 2020, so at least in the North American context, kind of at the, the start of the first lockdown. But that they also, this report found that it was not necessarily more members posting or creating content, but just that existing members were more active during this time period. And then it kind of tapered out. As for other groups, they've definitely incorporated narratives of COVID into the work. I'm not sure about again, about numbers and how much that has changed over time. But for incels also, they have reacted and continue to react to the pandemic. And at first, it was mostly joy over this idea that so-called Stacys wouldn't be able to go out and sleep with Chad. And they also hoped that normies and Chad would catch COVID and die and a lot of just murder fantasies. More recently, I've seen posts where people you know, are sad because they've lost family or friends to the pandemic or... I, I've seen a couple posts that has COVID in the three parentheses, which is usually 
denoting kind of a New World Order anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. So it kind of implies that they believe that Jewish people are are responsible for COVID or that it's man-made. And there have been some kind of outside conspiracy theories that have definitely made their way into the insult forums regarding COVID. In your thesis, you wrote that anonymous and ideologically homogenous online groups lend themselves as a breeding ground for online extremism. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that and how these online groups actually accelerate this process? Ideologically homogenous groups, especially those that are moderated to allow no outside perspective, lend themselves as a breeding ground for this kind of extremism as they often don't let new perspectives in that challenge the core ideology of the group. And then most members share similar views. And so what I found within my research is that members who kind of stepped out of line within the framework of what was allowed were either banned from the community or kind of run out of the community if they were not banned, that they would kind of just be bullied for every single post that they made. And then the anonymous nature allows people to say what they want and things that they maybe wouldn't offline. And some studies have shown that it also might further increase susceptibility to others' opinions that they might not agree with offline. And it can weaken these moral self-sanctions, which can help foster a culture of violence and an acceptance of violence more broadly within spaces. But with incels, it's really, there is so much gatekeeping that goes on, whether it's about, you know, the identity about who is the truest incel, but also just about other content. If someone doesn't agree with content, they can very easily say it's cocked. And if they have enough of community support, they can kind of gang up on the other member to kick them out. And there's really, if any content is considered, quote, blue-pilled, which is anything that's anti to the red pill and the black pill. It's not allowed in the forum, and it can immediately be removed, and the member can be removed. So any kind of contrary information just isn't allowed space within these spaces, within insult spaces specifically. Do you think there's much potential for offline or face-to-face insult groups to develop? In other words, to what extent is the milieu only sustained by the interwebs and uh, the relative anonymity which it affords. On the Incels Wiki, which is associated with incels.co, there is a link to a meetup group, but this links to an international singles exchange and is not Incel-specific. I have seen a couple posts about people saying, oh, if you're over here, we can meet. But it's unclear whether that pans out, and it's usually just one-on-one meetings. And at this point, I think it's unlikely that large face-to-face Incel groups develop. And this... I think it's partially also because there's still a lot of shame around this identity. Many incels talk about not being out to their family or friends, that they are members of this group or identifying this way. And now there, I think they also kind of fear there's a lot of talk on the forums about being potentially prosecuted or being watched by kind of state security apparatuses. And so in that way, they don't want to out themselves Maybe there's also meetings that I don't know of. I study public forums, and I know that the for the insult forums that I've looked at have private Discord channels and other private private groups where members talk to each other. And maybe there are more attempts at offline meetings through this. But from what I can see, just observing the public forums, it doesn't seem so likely that it would develop in the same way as maybe like MRA groups were founded offline and continue to organize both online and offline. Or MGTOWs even, I think, seem much more likely to meet offline 
than incels. Speaking of being out, is, are there any gay incels or is this a purely heterosexual phenomenon? <laughs> With the forums that I study, so incels.co, specific, uh, it used to specifically say that no women or gay men were allowed in the forum. That's changed recently. It says no gay or trans content of any kind, which I'm assuming has extended to also mean no gay members. There are small communities of gay incels, but that's not so much my focus, so I can't speak on it too much. There's also femcel communities or women who identify as incels. And I know with the femcels community, they sometimes use some of the language that the, the male incels do, but they do not seem to have as much violence or hatred behind that. So I'm not sure if it's similar for the gay incel communities, but there are definitely, I have seen several articles and some small forums for gay incels. Um, and then there's also groups like Forever Alone on Reddit, which used to be known as more of a misogynist incel space. Elliot Roger frequented Forever Alone, but now bans any incel content and does not associate with the identity. And I think that space is a bit more open to people of all gender identities and sexual orientations. And then also Alana, the woman who coined the term incel, was... Um, identifies as a queer woman and created that original space that Alana's involuntary celibate project as a space for people of all genders and sexual orientation. So it used to be more open, but over time, as it has become associated with misogyny and violence, it has become more and more cisgender heterosexual men who are able to participate in the incels.co space and at least the big incel forums. I feel like if the incels and the fem cells could just get together, we could solve a lot of these problems. <laughs> I, think it's a bit, I think they would both argue against that, but and they do. They, they definitely talk about that as well. You've located uh, this world within a framework of male supremacy. Are you able to comment on the relationship between uh, incels and the left-right spectrum? Do you identify it as being a, a left or a right phenomenon? I think, well, this is a bit complicated. I think they, the incels themselves would argue that they do not have an affiliation with political ideology. However, there is quite a connection and there are incels within incels.co that identify as storm cells, which is a reference to Stormfront, the big neo-Nazi website. So that's a pretty direct connection to more extremist right-wing thought. And then also some incels kind of advocate for something that mirrors kind of trad cons or traditional conservatives, and also believing that promiscuity should be shamed, that everybody should be monogamous, that there should be rules against adultery, which is not necessarily the point of view of every trad con, but it is more in the traditional, and they identify it as being a more traditional conservative thought. That being said, they also often, it seems mainly as a defense, talk about how one of the moderators of their old Reddit forums was an anarcho-communist and claim that they have a lot of kind of political diversity among them. And there definitely, I'm, I'm sure, is that diversity of thought because misogyny doesn't belong just to the right wing or the left wing. It, it, it exists across the spectrum. But from what I see on the day-to-day, -day, I would say that most of the content seems to be more in sync with extremist right-wing views. Well, Megan, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, before we go, is there anywhere on the internet that people can read more of your work? Yes. So at the moment, I 
do not have much. Um, but I had a piece out last year with the ICCT with uh, Greta Jasser, who was on your podcast before, and then uh, Katia Rothermal. And we talked about the issue of incels kind of becoming a scapegoat for misogyny and specifically in the context of the Hanau attack and that attacker being mislabeled an incel. I also soon have a report coming out with New America also talking about incel identity and potential terror threats. And then everything else is kind of under revision at the moment, unfortunately. So I don't have much else out. But more information about my work and about my current project can also be found on malesupremacism.org, which is the website for the Institute for Research on Male Supremacism. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all we've got time for, Andy. Uh, We'll be back next week. Global Intifada is up next. See you next week, guys. For years, our government has subjected people seeking asylum to torturous conditions. The Minister for Home Affairs was supposed to care for them, but instead they suffered enormous physical and psychological harm. Now, those refugees are fighting for accountability and justice. On their behalf, the National Justice Project is taking legal action against the government for negligence and for breaching their duty of care. To support 50 asylum seekers in their fight for justice against the Minister for Home Affairs, please donate at justice.org.au. The National Justice Project is a 3CR supporter. Workers' answer to COVID. Capitalism created this crisis. Workers can solve it. Like the sound of shorter working hours in secure employment with no loss in pay? A comfortable income for everyone. Taxing the rich? Jobs made public with workers in charge. You women who want to be free, just take a tip from me. Radical Women is launching this winning plan on the 8th of December at 7pm. Join others to take these demands into our unions and communities. All genders welcome. Contact Radical Women at optusnet.com.au. Radical Women is a 3CR supporter. I'm